Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Warth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Give the Lord a hand, praise. God is good all the time. Amen. Good to see everybody today in the house of the Lord. We welcome everybody to our uh, Thursday night worship service. Anybody blessed tonight? <laughs> praise God. We're going to be opening up the Word of God this evening. And before uh, we turn to Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 16. I want to remind us that from the beginning of the year, we have been studying on the weekends from this broad uh, subject of spiritual warfare. And we've been learning that there is an invisible spiritual war going on, whether we realize it or not. There's an invisible spiritual war going on, whether you're engaged in it or not. And as believers of Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus, you didn't just say yes to salvation, but you also said yes to his mission. You said yes to the mission of God. And I want to remind us tonight that this kingdom, this, this kingdom of God is about a revolution. It's not just about taking people to heaven, but it's about bringing heaven to earth through God's people. And so when Jesus came on the earth through his life, death, and resurrection, he relaunched the kingdom of God on earth. He, he launched this revolution whereby we expand the kingdom of God uh, by bringing the kingdom of God down uh, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, where we work at, where we go to school at. And in the course of this spiritual uh, warfare or in the course of this bringing the kingdom down, uh, we have an invisible enemy. There is a real enemy that is pushing back on us. There's an enemy trying to discourage us. There's an enemy trying to stop us. In fact, once our spiritual enemy lost the battle for our salvation, once we surrendered our life to the Lord, repented from our sins, then the mission of our spiritual enemy is to stop us from serving the Lord with all our heart. The mission of our spiritual enemy is to frustrate us, to emotionally and spiritually paralyze us so that we don't be all that God has called us to be. Are you following along? So as we study on this broad subject of spiritual warfare, tonight I want to continue our focus on what, what we call uh, demonology. Demonology. Demonology is a big word uh, that means the study of demons. The study of demons. And our subject for tonight is exposing demons. Exposing demons. Now, to be clear, I prefer to teach on the glory of God, the beauty of God, and the power of God. Like when you are with us, Chapel of Change, uh, for the most part, we're going to be learning regularly about the glory of God, the beauty of God, and the power of God. Because I believe once you get a glimpse of the glory of God, you fall in love with God. And as you fall deeper and deeper in love with God, you're going to chase after God with all your heart. Are you following along? See, when you fall in love with Jesus, when you see the beauty and the power and the glory of Jesus, nobody has to tell you to go to church. Nobody has to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody has to tell you to pray because that love that you have for the Lord will lead you and guide you and, yea, even drive you forward. Someone shout amen. 
So we will spend the bulk of our time learning about the glory of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord. But every now and then, we need to learn about our spiritual enemy. Every now and then, we need to expose our spiritual enemy. And occasionally, we need to learn uh, uh, our enemy's tactics and his strategies against the people of God. Are you following along? Uh, this is one of the reasons why Jesus said in Matthews, Chapter 10, verse 16, he said, behold, someone say behold. Whenever you see that word behold, uh, that means what I'm about to tell you is, is important. What I'm about to say is critical. So pay attention to what I'm about to say. So Jesus said, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So I want you to catch that, um, that again, we serve ascending God, that if you spend time in the presence of the Lord long enough, eventually he's going to send you out to do his will and his purpose. But notice what he says. He says he sends us out as sheep um, amongst wolves. Now, that includes certain type of people that are against us, but uh, I also believe uh, that that also means the spiritual warfare that we're going to go against. Like, we're going to be surrounded by uh, evil spirits and demonic influences that are going to try to stop us and hinder us from fulfilling God's call. So Jesus called us to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. And part of being wise is knowing about your spiritual enemy. Part of being wise is knowing about your enemy's strategy of attacks. Now, I shared this on Sunday, but I'm going to bring it back uh, to be clear. A lot of the problems that we face are not caused by demons. They're caused by our own dumb decisions. I want to kind of remind us of that. A lot of our problems that we face are not caused by demons, but it's caused by our stinking thinking. We, we are thinking in different areas have not been renewed, and it causes us to make bad decisions, which uh, in effect negatively affect our lives. So I want to be clear uh, uh, about that. But also we need to understand that we're in spiritual warfare. We got to understand that there is a serious spiritual warfare going on and we need to be aware of the spiritual warfare so that we could withstand the attacks of the enemy. Are you following along? Now, when you talk about spiritual warfare and you talk about demons and you talk about angels and you talk about spiritual things, uh, there are two extremes that we need to uh, avoid. There are two extremes. There is the uh, danger of ignoring demons. That, that's a danger when you don't believe they exist. Uh, there's a danger of not being aware of demons. But then on the other extreme, there's the danger of overemphasizing demons. I want us to be aware of that as we Go deeper in our study. There's two extremes that we need to ignore. There, there's the extreme, the danger of ignoring demons. There's the danger of being ignorant of the spiritual warfare. There's the danger of being ignorant of, of the devil's uh, devices and strategies upon our life. But on the opposite spectrum, there is the danger of being, uh, of overemphasizing demons. There's the danger of looking for demons under every rock, right? There's, there's a danger in that. And in our tradition, uh, we, we value what we call the Via Medea, the Via Medea, which is the middle way. We, we strive to go down the middle way. I, I remember C.S. Lewis, a renowned Christian author, wrote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. You see the two extremes? These are the two extremes we want to ignore. One is ignoring that the uh, demons. The other one is having excessive and unhealthy interest in demons. So, 
as we study tonight, I want us to be aware that we study about demons, not to be afraid, but to be aware. That's the reason why we're looking at the scripture tonight. Everybody understand our, our intent, our, the motive of our heart is so that we live aware, not afraid. So we live aware, not obsessed with looking at demons under every rock. We need to be aware. The Bible says, be sober-minded uh, for your enemy runs around like a, 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 like a lion looking for who he can make devour. So to be sober-minded means to be aware. It means to be alert. So I need you to understand our intent as we look at the scripture tonight. It's so that we can live as alert Christians, and we won't get caught slipping. Are you following along? So tonight, I have one objective in our study, and that is to focus on the reality of demons, the reality of demons. We're going to look at the scripture tonight, and we're going to reinforce the reality of demons. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. So I hope you brought your Bible uh, tonight because we will be pointing out a lot of scripture tonight. So the big question uh, for us tonight is, do demons exist? Do demons exist? And part of the answer is the Old Testament confirms the existence of demons. The Old Testament confirms the existence of demons. Now, it's interesting that one of the Old Testament Hebrew words for demon actually means hairy one. Did you catch that? One of the Old Testament words for demon actually means hairy one. And this is where they get the image of a goat from. This is where they get an image of a goat from. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17, it says, they sacrificed to demons, not to God. They, they worshiped to demons. That, that sacrifice uh, is synonymous to worship. They, they worship demons and not to God. So we're answering the question, do demons exist? And the first answer is the Old Testament confirms the existence of demons. And this is not the only scripture that backs that up. In Leviticus chapter 17, uh, verse 17, it says, and they shall no longer offer their sacrifices to the goat demons which which they play the prostitute. They should no longer worship the goat demons uh, for which they play the prostitute. So I want you to notice in these scriptures that demons were creating false religions. I should have noticed in the scriptures that I just read that the demons were enticing false religions. And what's interesting is that these scriptures were addressed not to unbelievers, but they were addressed to the people of God. They were addressed to the people of God, which is fascinating that at that time, the people of God, at least a segment of the people of God, were carried away into demon worship. Can you believe that? That's, that's shocking, isn't it? That's alarming that that people of God can be carried away into demon, uh, demon worship. And the, the, this were the Israelites and the demons influenced them to worship them. And we, we realize that demons are at the root of every false religion. Demons are at the root of every false religions. Why? Because demons don't want you to worship the true God. Demons don't want you to worship the true God. And so demons don't want you to establish a relationship with the true God. Are you following along? 
Demons don't want you to establish a vibrant relationship with the true God because they know that as you establish a relationship with the true God, you become stronger and stronger and stronger and more alive as you worship the true God. So what do they do? They come to obstruct your worship from God. They come to replace your worship of the true God and they get the people of God to worship other things than God. Are you following along? So demons are at the root of every false uh, religion. And it's fascinating how these demons lured the people of God from worshiping the true God to worshiping demons. But this wasn't just an Old Testament sin. It wasn't just an Old Testament sin. In fact, many believers in Apostle Paul's days uh, was falling for it too. Many believers in the early church was falling for it too. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse 20 uh, through 21. And I purposely did not put it on the screen uh, because I think I spoil y'all too much by putting all the Bible verses on the screen. And uh, y'all need to start bringing your Bible and opening up your Bible. So it's a beautiful thing to hear the pages turn of the Bible. That means there is power being released. That means there is glory being released when you hear the pages of the Bible turn. So again, I purposely did not put that scripture on the screen because I want you to turn in it in your Bible. Are you following along? First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 20. Notice that the sin of worshiping demons was not just an Old Testament sin, but it actually crept into the early church. And listen to what Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. He says, no, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. Someone say, ouch. It's fascinating. It's fascinating because... Paul's talking again to the church. He's talking again to believers. And they did not realize that they were actually participating with demons. They needed somebody to point it out to them. They needed Apostle Paul to point it out to them. And listen to verse 21. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Very fascinating how there were some believers in the early church who thought they could double dip. They thought they could double dip. They thought they could sip and dip, right? They thought they could uh, come to the table of the Lord and drink of the cup of the Lord. And then they thought they could run over to the, to the table of demons and drink from the cup of demons. And the Holy Spirit had to call them out. The Holy Spirit had to call them out. And they didn't even realize what they were doing was actually demon worship. They didn't realize it. Because if they realized they were actually worshiping demons, they would not have done it. It's fascinating because... When the early church in Acts chapter 2 uh, exploded on the scene and the church began to, you know, impact the world with the gospel and we begin to grow and grow, the first thing that the devil tried to do to take us out is he, he, he tried to physically kill us. When the early church first exploded on the scene, uh, the way that the devil tried to take us out is by physically killing us. So the enemy uh, started to feed us to lions, and the enemy started to burn us at the stake. And, but after a while, it was amazing that, that Satan realized that Christians really don't die, we multiply. He began to realize that we didn't, we didn't die off. We, in fact, under persecution, we begin to multiply. We begin to grow and grow. And so then the enemy changed his strategy. And then instead of attacking us from the outside in, what he began to do is attack us from the inside out. He began to attack us from the inside out. And he began to get a segment of Christians to worship demons in the church. Isn't that amazing? 
That's wild. That's crazy. But that's the spiritual warfare that is going on. In fact, this is not just a early church sin. It's not just an early church sin. Uh, the Bible teaches that in the last days, many will fall for the doctrine of demons. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what it says. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times, that's today. Someone say, that's today. Someone say, that's today. Said that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow, get this, deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's what the Spirit of the Lord taught the church. That in the end times, part of the attack of the enemy is not just to physically kill off the people of God, but it's to get in the middle of the people of God and, and deceive them into it with, with doctrines taught by demons. And that's why we have to be alert. That's why we have to be sober-minded. That's why we got to be connected to the church because being connected to the church provides a covering for us. Uh, it provides a, prote a level of protection uh, for us as we stay connected to the church. Someone say amen. So remember our big question this evening is do uh, demons exist? And the first answer is that the Old Testament confirms the existence of demons, uh, but also... Uh, I would say that Jesus' ministry confirms the existence of demons. Jesus' ministry confirms the existence of demons. Now, when you study the life of Jesus as found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, it's interesting that Jesus was confronting demons left and right. Uh, Jesus was confronting demons left and right. In fact... Jesus spent about 25% of his time casting out demons. He spent about 25% of his time casting out demons. Let's look at a couple verses. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34, listen to what it says. It says, And Jesus healed many who were ill with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. So notice that Jesus comes on the scene and he's immediately confronting the demons. He's immediately confronting the demons and um. As a side note, this particular scripture teaches us that demons could actually speak. It teaches us that demons could actually speak. In fact, one of the reasons why demons want to possess a body is so that the demon could utilize the tongue uh, to communicate what it wants to get across. And you'll learn that in different scenarios of Jesus' ministry, Jesus had to tell the demons to shut up. So Jesus immediately confronts the demons. And so in Luke eleven fourteen, look at this scripture. And Jesus was casting out a demon and it was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the crowds were amazed. So notice this particular demon was a mute demon. It was a mute demon. And notice this particular demon caused the individual to be mute. Now, I want to be clear. Um, not every person who cannot speak is possessed with a demon. So I want to be clear about that, all right? Not everybody who cannot speak is, is possessed with a demon. But in this particular case, that demon caused that individual to be mute. It took the voice of that individual. And one of the things that demons want to do is take your voice away from you. Doesn't want you to praise God. Doesn't want you to open up your mouth and worship the Lord. Doesn't want you to proclaim the gospel. And so the enemy comes to, to shackle us, to hold us down. That's what the enemy was doing. The demon was doing in this particular life. He was restricting the man from fully living. He was shackling him up. 
Are you following along? And we've been learning the metaphor of being shackled, how demons try to shackle people. And when you're shackled up in chains, you don't have full mobility. You cannot move. You cannot defend yourself. You cannot go fast because you're shackled up. And this is one of the goals of demons. They try to shackle the body of Christ. They try to shackle the believers in Christ because they know that if you ever know, realize who you are in Christ Jesus, if you ever learn how to fully live, that you will be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So he tries to shut Christians up. Are you following along? So we're, we're, we're looking at the scripture and we're seeing how the scripture um, uh, uh, proves the existence of demons. But the good news is that Christ always overpowered the demon. The good news is that Christ always uh, overpowered the demon and Christ delivered the people of their demons. I want to remind us um, that one of the definitions of demons, when you think about what they are, is that demons are wicked spiritual beings who act as a spiritual mafia to harass God's people. Demons are a wicked spiritual beings who act as a spiritual mafia to harass God's people. Demons, they try to assassinate people, particularly God's people or people that have a calling from God. They try to harass them, steal their joy, steal their peace, and if, if unchecked, even try to assassinate them emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even physically. I, um, many years ago, uh, the Lord opened up my eyes to a spiritual assassination attempt on my family, a spiritual assassination attempt on my family. I remember many years ago, I was sitting on my bed and I was thinking how um, so much the, the, the pain uh, that my family had went through, particularly the reoccurring pain that my family had went through. And I was thinking how my grandfather was shot and killed. He was murdered. Uh, I was thinking about how my dad was shot in a barroom brawl, but he survived. I was thinking about how my oldest brother was shot and killed at the age of 15 years old. I was thinking about how my second oldest brother was shot about four times in two different occasions, but miraculously survived. So my second oldest brother has about eight bullets inside of him and he walks with a limp. I was thinking about my third oldest brother was shot two different times, but he survived. Right? I'm thinking about this, right? I was thinking about how I was shot at the age of 14 years old. Uh, and, and as crazy as it sounds, you know, rival gang members tried to kill me and, and, and I got gunned down. And one day I was thinking, man, my great, my grandfather was murdered by a gun. My, my dad was shot by a gun. My oldest brother was murdered by a gun. My, my second oldest brother was shot multiple times. My third oldest brother was shot multiple times. I was shot at the age of 14 and I, I begin to connect the dots and I said to myself, oh my goodness, that is not an accident. That is not an accident. That is not an accident. No, that's a spiritual assassination attempt on a generation right there. And that, that's not uncommon for the enemy to try to do. You remember what he did in Moses' day. He, tried, he killed the firstborn. You remember what he did in G when Jesus was born. He killed the, uh, tried to kill off a generation. And I said, oh my goodness. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. That's a spiritual attack. But thanks be to the Lord God for opening my eyes, right? Thanks be to the Lord God for teaching us who we are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't afraid of demons. Jesus wasn't afraid of demons. In fact, in Matthew 8, 16, it says, When evening came... 
Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word. Catch that. With the word. Catch that. With the word. Someone say word. With the word and healed all the sick. So imagine with me, Jesus is hanging out, the sun is going down, right? It's getting nighttime, and he looks at the distance, and over the hill come a bunch of demon-possessed guys toward him. I don't know about you, I'll be like, whoa, wait, hold up, what's going on right here? Jesus wasn't afraid. He confronted those demons, and he delivered the people. Get this, he delivered them with a word. Someone say word. He delivered them with a word. So listen, that, that reminds us that God's word is powerful. That reminds us that God's word is powerful. That reminds us that God's word can deliver somebody. That reminds us that God's word can heal somebody. That reminds us that God's word can set somebody free. And that's why when you come to Chapel of Change, we preach the word. We open up our Bible. We put our face in the Bible because we want you to get God's word. God's word can deliver you. God's word can set you free. God's word can cut out whatever it is that's trying to attach itself to you. That's why sometimes after church, you feel a little lighter. That's why sometimes you leave church, you man, I feel a little lighter, like I lost some weight. No, it was a spiritual thing where the word was cutting off some stuff that may try to attach itself to you throughout the week. But you sat up underneath the word of God, whether it was through the worship or whether it was through the, through the Bible study. And that word did a spiritual surgical move in your life and begin to cut things out. Sometimes we got things attached to us we don't even know. Sometimes you go through a hard week, right? Sometimes you go through a hard week or you're at work and you're facing some demons you can't even see. Or you go to school and you're facing some demons that you can't even see. And them demons try to attach things to you and you don't even know. You think you're discouraged, but you're not discouraged. You're fighting a demon of depression. And so when you come up underneath that word, man, you need, you need to just sit up underneath that word. You need to open yourself up to that word because that word will deliver you. Someone shout Amen. So Jesus wasn't afraid of the demons. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 31, it says demons also were coming out of many, key word, many, and they were shouting, you are the son of God. But rebuking them, Jesus would not allow them to speak because they knew, get this, they knew him to be the Christ. So Jesus was not afraid of demons. But this particular scripture reinforces the truth that demons do have a level of intellect. Demons do have a level of intellect. They have a level of knowledge. How do we know? Because they knew that Jesus was the Christ. They knew that Jesus was the Christ. So they have a level of intellect. It's amazing because the religious leaders didn't even know who Jesus was. But the demons knew who Jesus was. It's amazing. Religious leaders didn't even know who Jesus was. But the demons knew. It's amazing. Some of Jesus' disciples didn't even know who he was until about a year later. But the moment the demons saw Jesus, they knew who he was. So that teaches us that they have a level of intellect. They have a level of knowledge. They have a level of knowledge. You need to be aware of this, okay? So remember, I want to remind you of our intent, right? We're studying about this not to be afraid but to be aware. Remember, we're studying about this not to be afraid, to be aware. We're arming you. We're equipping you. So I want to let you know that, 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 that demons have a level of intellect. And, and some of them have been studying your life all your life. They've been studying your patterns. They've been studying what you like, what you dislike. They don't necessarily know the future, but they know the patterns of our life. They've been studying. They know what you like, what you don't like. They know your weaknesses. And so they know that they can set you up to fall for certain things. Are you following along? That's why it's got to be aware. That's why the Bible says, be alert, be sober-minded, because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking who he may devour. So the enemy knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. 
He knows what to dangle in front of us. We got to be aware of that. They don't necessarily know the future, but they know how we have responded to the past. And they know that if they could set up certain things that, 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 that we may bite again. Be alert. Be alert. Because some of y'all are falling into the same sin over and over and over and over and over again. And one of the indications that you're being attacked by a demon is the, is the intensity and the reoccurring of the frequency of the temptation. The intensity and the frequency of the temptation. If it's hitting you over and over and over and over again, listen, you may be getting set up. You may be getting set up. So you got to be alert. You got to be armed. You got you got to go another way. You got to go another way. Don't don't go that same route. They've been studying your route. They know what you see. They know what you're doing on your computer when no one's around. They know what you're doing on your phone. You you may have to throw your phone away for a season. I know I wasn't going to get a lot of amens out of that one. So do the demons exist? Jesus' ministry confirmed they did. And also, Jesus taught on demons. Jesus taught on demons. I'm going to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. Jesus taught on demons. Matthew chapter 12 Verse 43 and 45. When everybody's there, say amen. amen. Listen to the word of the Lord. Matthew 12, verse 43. This is where Jesus taught on demons. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Notice that phrase, seeking rest. The implication is that demons, generally speaking, are anxious. They're anxious. They, 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 they don't have no rest. They're restless. They're restless. And they're anxious because they're, they're trying to seek rest. But they're, they're anxious. They're, they're anxious. By the way, anxiety is of the devil. By the way, anxiety is of the devil. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So whenever you get tempted with anxiety, you have the right to resist it in the name of Jesus. You have the right to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says, cast your care, cast your anxiety over to the Lord because he cares for you. So if you're walking in anxiety, that means you haven't given it to the Lord. That's one of the reasons why we open up the altar. We don't open up the altar to look pretty down here. We open up the altar so you can have a one-on-one -on -one with God and Give him your cares and give him your anxiety and be delivered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So look at back at the scripture, Luke, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Verse 44, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. He's talking about. The life from which he got kicked out of. The body from which he got kicked out of. And when he comes, he finds it empty. Someone say empty. empty. Pause for a second because I, I, want, I want you to think about this. The individual got delivered and, and the Lord Jesus Christ kicked the de demon out of that individual's life. And then that demon goes looking for a place of rest because it's anxious, it's nervous, it wants a place of rest. And it doesn't find anything, so it goes back. Let me go back to the place that I used to hang out in. Let me go back to the place where that welcomed me before. So the demon goes back to that individual. And the problem with that individual is that he did not replace. Someone say replace. 
He did not replace that kicked out demon with the Lord Jesus Christ. The demon got kicked out, but the home was still empty. That's what the Bible says. It was empty. So, so that individual didn't feel his home with Jesus, or that individual didn't feel his home with the Holy Spirit, or that individual didn't feel his home with the Word of God, or that individual didn't feel his home with prayer, or that individual didn't feel his home with worship, or that individual didn't feel his home with the things of God. And because that home was empty, there was space, there was space for the devil to go back in. There was space for the demon to go back in. But if you feel your home with Jesus, if you feel your home with the Holy Ghost, if you be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you feel your home with the Word of God, if you feel your home with worship and prayer, when that demon comes knocking on your door, there won't be no space to go back in. There won't be no space to go back in. So the problem with that delivered individual is that, is that they remained empty. See, when you re, it, it's, it's not, it's not sufficient enough just to repent. It's, you have to start repenting, but you can't stop there. Once you repent, you have to replace. Once you repent, you have to replace. So once you, once you repent of whatever that thing was, or that person, hello, somebody, right? Um, you gotta, you gotta replace that thing with the things of God. If you don't replace once you repent, then eventually you're gonna go back to whatever it is that, that had you taken over. Are you following along? So, so don't just stop at repenting. You got to replace. That's why one of the reasons why we come every Thursday night. Because we're replacing what we used to do with what the things of God wants us to do. That's why we go to church on Sunday. Because we're replacing what we used to do with what God wants us to do. That's why we pray or go to Women's Abide or go to Kingsman Discipleship. Because we're not just repenting, we're replacing. So when that demon comes back knocking on your door, it, it, when that demon comes back knocking on your door, and it will come knocking on your door, there won't be space to let him in. Are you following along? Does that make sense to anybody? Let me finish reading this off. It says, when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. So it's telling us that our generation has a propensity not to replace what we repented of. It's not sufficient enough just to repent. you got to move forward into replacing. Feel your home. Feel your home. This delivered man left his house empty. And because he left his house empty, his end was worse than his beginning. Are you following along with this? Now, as I wind our study up tonight, one of uh, the most devoted followers of Jesus in the Bible was not a man. One of the most devoted followers of Jesus in the Bible wasn't even one of the 12 apostles. One of the most committed, devoted, die-hard followers of Jesus Christ was actually a woman. It was a woman. And this woman's name was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, this sister, she was radically faithful to Jesus Christ. Even beyond most of the 12 
apostles. This Mary Magdalene, she, she served Jesus. She physically helped the ministry of Jesus. She followed Jesus until the wheels fell off. She was one of the few that was at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And at that time, to be near the guy who was crucified was against the law. And 11 of the disciples had already fleed. The men, most of the men weren't even there. But when you look at the foot of the cross of Jesus, you will see this sister by the name of Mary Magdalene. She was there. You know why? Because she didn't care about the world. She didn't care about her life. All she cared about was serving Jesus, her master. And when Jesus rose from the grave, the very first person he revealed himself to was not one of the apostles. It was not one of the male disciples. But amazingly, the first person he revealed himself to was Mary Magdalene. The very first preacher, proclaimer of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not a male. It was a sister. It was a woman. It was Mary Magdalene and Jesus appointed her to share about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, a sidebar, my sisters, Jesus elevated your position in the kingdom of God. Where sin tried to hold our sisters down because of the fall of Adam and Eve. When Jesus came on the scene, the way he treated women, the way he treated the sisters in Christ, he elevated them and he empowered them. And that's one of the finest examples in the Bible. But when I think about Mary Magdalene, I wonder like how was she so radically faithful? Why was she so radically committed to Jesus? I'll tell you why. It's in her testimony. It's in her testimony. Listen to Luke chapter 8 verse 1. Just listen to this. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 and 2. I'm just going to read it. Just listen to this. It says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. That's the apostles. And also, key word, and also some women, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Get this, get this. Here comes the testimony. Mary called Magdalene, get this now, get this, this is powerful, from whom, from whom, get this, not one demon, not two demons, not three demons, not four demons, not five demons, not six demons, my goodness, this sister was no joke, it says, from whom seven demons had come out. No wonder why she was radically faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder why she didn't throw in the towel. No wonder why she didn't care what the world said. Jesus delivered her from seven demons. And that's not the only place where he gives her testimony. In Mark chapter 16 verse 9. It says, now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, this is the resurrection, by the way, he first, get this, he first, look at who gives, he, he gives the honor of appearing to first. This is an honor. Listen, this is an honor. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene from whom, get this, here it is again, he had cast out seven demons. <laughs> My goodness. Can you imagine her before Jesus? I mean, uh, it's bad enough to have one demon. It's bad enough to have three demons. Can you imagine her testimony before Jesus? That sister was crazy. I want to meet her one day in heaven. I'm going to say, man, how was it like? Jesus delivered her from seven demons. 
And that I believe her testimony, I believe her love for the Lord compelled her. When all the men forsook Jesus, she was the one at the foot of the cross. And even today, some scholars call her the 13th apostle. Even today, some scholars call her the apostle to the apostles. So my brothers and sisters, again, again. We learn about demons not to be afraid, but to be aware, but to be aware. Always remember, we are on the winning team. We are on the winning team. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, and this is the last scripture and I'll close. Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power. Someone say all. All the power of the enemy. We're going to learn about our power and authority as believers in Christ Jesus. Because together, we're going to kick out the forces of darkness that have been trying to shackle us down. Someone shout amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise um, I want to encourage us, let's bow our heads for a couple moments. Let's, let's bow our heads in prayer as the worship team comes back up. Just for a couple moments, this is our reflection time. This is our meditation time. This is our time where we reflect upon the word of the Lord, where we meditate upon the word of the Lord. What was God trying to get across to us? We read the scripture. We learned the scripture. Let's bow our heads and just reflect upon the word of the Lord, as the worship team just plays lightly, softly in the background. Let's think about the word of the Lord. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we don't have to be afraid. We thank you, Lord, that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have showed us by example to take authority of the forces of darkness. And so, Lord, tonight we declare your power over our lives. We declare your power over our family. We thank you that we are protected. But Lord, help us. Help us to engage in this spiritual warfare. Lord, help us to move from the defense to the offense. Lord, help us to use our authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, O oh Lord God, that we might be sober, that we might be alert, that we might stay underneath the shadow of your protection, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the victory of the cross. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone says, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. I want to call it Pastor Martin. Give it up for Pastor Martin. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. That's a powerful teaching, lacing you up with God's authority. Amen. Making us aware, not afraid. As we transition to the time of giving, it's worship unto the Lord. The scriptures that I want to use tonight, it's found in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verses um, 17 and 18 and 19. 
It all connects together. Paul the Apostle receiving financial aid from the Philippian church. This is what he says. It's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephrodite the things sent from you. A sweet, some of you need to underline this, a sweet smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then he goes on to say, and my God, he personalizes it, and my God, my God, somebody say my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Can you imagine? You're giving, reaching the throne room of God. And he takes it all in and he's well pleased because of your obedience to giving and allowing this ministry to continue to preach the gospel. How many of you learned something tonight? What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. As the ushers come forward, I have a few announcements for us. We're able to give by debit machine in the lobby. We can facilitate that for you there. You can give by envelopes that are found behind your seats. You can give by the QR code. Amen. Just take your smartphone, hit the QR code, and it'll give you the instructions that you need. Amen. On the 18th, please, this coming Saturday, join us in Whittier as we get ready, amen, to install Pastor Daniel and uh, Lanakai, amen, I hope I got her name right, as Whittier's new campus leaders. Come and join us for that celebration. If you've never been to the Whittier campus, come out and experience what God is doing in Whittier, amen. And also, we have our boiler room on the 23rd of this month at 7 p.m. right here at our Paramount campus. Come and join us. It'll be a time of prayer. It'll be a time of connection with what God wants to do in this next season, not only of this ministry, but your life as well. And then we have our uh, youth camp. Amen. Our youth winter camp. Amen. We're looking for sponsors to be able to give, to sponsor a young person, to be able to go up and experience what God is doing in our young people's life. Come on, let's give it up for our young people. Amen. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and we thank you, God. We thank you that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, we have the opportunity to give, Lord God, into what you're doing in this ministry. It's good ground as we plant our seeds. Let it be a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to you, Father. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Ushers, you are released. Thank you. As I call the pastors and leaders to the altar after we dismiss with a blessing, if you need extra prayer, our pastors and leaders will be available to pray with you. We have two outreach opportunities that you may want to be a part of. Tomorrow night at 6 p.m. with Pastor Bo and the Fresh Hope Mobile, we are going to be going to Halton Park in North Long Beach at the skate park. 
And we're going to be doing an outreach out there. So if you want to join and just be a part of that, get with Pastor Bo. But on Saturday uh, morning, uh, we have a team that is going to be going to the Linwood uh, Plaza right off the 105 freeway. And they're going to be doing outreach right there at the plaza where they sell all the clothes and stuff like that. So if you want to be a part of that, you can get with Brother Art, who's in the back in the media center. That's Saturday morning. You can be a part of that. But we want to be a church that reaches our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's options for you to uh, be a part of. Uh, I just want to celebrate something before I close out with a blessing. Um, our larger church family, we're part of a larger church family with about a million people around the world. And every four years, we have what we call a general conference where about 2,000 pastors come together in Orlando, Florida uh, to celebrate ministry, to uh, train, ministry training and inspirations. Well, I want to celebrate because our bishops, out of all the churches in the world, our bishops chose our church uh, to be, to create a video of our ministry in our church to show in Orlando to the 2,000 and pastors. So um, a video team is flying down from Washington. They're going to be with us on Friday night as we go into the park. They're also going to be here on, they're going to travel with me on Sunday. So they're going to be here in Paramount and Carson and Long Beach on Sunday. And they're going to be video uh, filming and they're going to create a video to celebrate what God is doing at Chapel of Change. So if you're here on Sunday, make sure you put on your smile in Jesus' name. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord and we'll dismiss. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with power, may you go tonight with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Sunday or Saturday. Go in peace.